Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Wednesday, May 10th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, Tomorrow is the official end of the federal COVID-19 public health emergency. What does that mean for us in Georgia? State Democratic lawmakers are pressing the governor to take action following last week's shooting in Atlanta. And we'll have the story of how modern technology is helping visually impaired students better remember their school year experience. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. Tomorrow's official end of the federal COVID-19 public health emergency won't affect Georgia's offering of free tests and vaccines. State Department of Public Health Deputy Commissioner Dr. Chris Rustin told members of the agency's board yesterday that about 10 to 30 people every week are still dying from the virus. Most are elderly or have compromised immune systems. We are providing free over-the-counter COVID test kits to to the public. That will continue um, for some time um, because we have bought up a large number of those kits. And we still receive funding grants that, that don't expire for another year or longer that we're able to purchase these testing supplies. He says the end of the emergency mostly will affect data collection. As of tomorrow, national reporting of COVID deaths will end, making it impossible to track such deaths in Georgia. Democratic lawmakers are urging Governor Brian Kemp to convene a special legislative session to address the ongoing gun violence epidemic. GPB's Sarah Callis has more from the Capitol. Georgia Democrats are calling for the special session after a shooting in an Atlanta medical facility killed one woman and wounded four others. House Minority Leader James Beverly says both parties need to come to the table to address gun safety laws. It's time for us to put politics aside and lead to protect the lives of all lives of all Georgians. I say to the Republican leadership, who currently control the State House, the State Senate, and the Governor's Mansion, lead, don't hide. House Minority Whip Sam Park said the Democrats have asked for the session in a letter to Governor Kemp, who has so far not responded. For GPB News, I'm Sarah Callis. Vice President Kamala Harris plans to return to Atlanta for the third time this year. Harris will be in town for a Democratic National Committee finance event. Harris's first two visits to Metro Atlanta began at Georgia Tech in February, when she was in town to talk about the ongoing climate crisis and the country's investment in jobs. In April, the vice president visited the Q-Cells solar manufacturing facility in Dalton. Atlanta finished second to Chicago in the race to host the Democratic National Convention, but remains a key battleground state and destination for Harris and President Biden. Yearbooks and yearbook photos are a huge part of how we remember our school years. But for visually impaired students, capturing the physical essence of friends is a challenge. GPB's Grant Blankenship explains how modern technology is meeting the need. When Daquan Brown was handed his yearbook, he could hardly believe it. Your head is right here. Mm -hmm. This one's yours. You can just touch it with your hand. That's your face. <laughs> I get a kid there? Yeah. Are you? Are you factual? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the whole thing. What he held was a box, about two feet by two feet, with 11 little heads mounted inside. One for him and each of the other seniors at the Georgia Academy for the Blind in Macon. I didn't like bobbleheads, but it's like myself. 
And Daquan says as bobbleheads go, these are good. It, it looked like me. That's crazy. Like, it's me. This is the sixth year Mercer University engineering students like Katie Puckett have been creating these 3D yearbooks. You have a handheld 3D scanner. We go around their faces to like get the model and then we use a program. The model is printed in plastic that looks like lightly ridged marble busts that could fit in your hand. Names are printed in braille underneath. That job look just like you, bro. A graze of fingers across a forehead helps Shayla Hampton find her likeness. Yeah, I could tell this one's me because of my hair. She says she's not sure what she's going to do with this yearbook yet, but... Knowing my mother, she's probably going to hang it up on a wall. Proud moms can be like that. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelsky, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcasts or download it on your favorite podcast platform. The American Dream. Does it include access to health care? A new documentary looks at that through the experience of the only doctor in a rural Georgia town. GPB's Leah Fleming spoke with the filmmaker. Not everyone in Georgia, or even the country for that matter, has the ability to go to the doctor. That is the case for many residents in Fort Gaines, Georgia, a town of about 3,000 people, where 40% of residents there live below the poverty line. Dr. Karen Kinzel is the only physician in town. How did that happen? And what is it like being the only doctor? Filmmaker Matthew Hashiguchi has taken a closer look at Kinzel's experience with his new documentary. It's titled The Only Doctor. I spoke to him recently. She is a full-time volunteer. She is working uh, full-time without getting paid. And there are times when she has had to pay uh, the bills out of her own pocket. And I think that's something that really, really sets her apart from others. Um she thinks everyone should be able to receive medical care and should be able to live a um, healthy lifestyle. And uh, Mercer University kind of comes into the story a bit. And I think what we see in, in this story is that there's kind of competing ideology when it comes to healthcare. Mercer is is setting up rural hospitals throughout the, the state of Georgia, and they're doing wonderful things. But they're really set up to to treat people that have um, insurance and can pay for healthcare. Whereas Dr. Kinsel sees people that can't can't afford it. What I really admire about doc, Dr. Kinsella is her um, her morals and her um, belief in serving and doing whatever is right for the the patient, the person. <laughs> So what is happening in, in Clay County these days? Uh, certainly, Dr. Kinsel is um, getting near retirement age, and she's the only one. I mean, is there are there any efforts to get another doctor in there? Yes, and, and I, I don't really want to give away the conclusion of mm -hmm. the film, but there, um, when I was filming, Mercer University had approached her to sort of take over her clinic and her practice would then become part of Mercer University's rural clinic, and she would then work for them. So that that's sort of a development that occurred while we were filming, and we we follow that 
storyline and um yeah, I don't want to give away what happens, but there's sort of a competing interests sort of come into play and who has say over who receives health care and what type of health care is um, able to exist in a place like Clay County. So you have certainly done uh, your share of documentary work. Um, you've even uh, looked into your own um, life personally. And I- I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the power of documentary work. There's a big push to create documentaries that sort of provide answers, um, solution-based documentary filmmaking. And I think that's important to do. I think with my documentaries, I don't pretend to know the answer to um, the problem. And I think it, with a problem like healthcare, there really is no one clear solution to this. And if someone had the answer to this, I think that more problems would be solved. But there's competing political interests and um, ideological differences in how you sort of fix this. My my goal is to understand people's lives. And with this film, I really wanted to understand what is it like trying to uh, not only provide health care, but obtain health care when you, when you don't have access to it. I mean, it really comes down to the American dream, you know, like is healthcare and, and living a healthy life part of the American dream? And and is every, everyone able to obtain that? Matthew Hashiguchi is a documentary filmmaker and educator. His latest work is called The Only Doctor. A popular water park on Georgia's Lake Lanier won't allow beachgoers to enter the water this year. Margaritaville at Lanier Islands announced this week that their lakefront beach will be open for lounging and relaxing, but not swimming. In a statement, park officials say they're making the move for safety reasons, but don't elaborate. Last year, four people died in separate drowning incidents on the lake, including one at Margaritaville. The announcement comes days before the park's summer opening on Saturday. Georgia's national championship football team is declining an invitation to visit the White House to celebrate the national championship win. According to a statement released by the Georgia Athletic Association, the Bulldogs will not be able to attend a June 12th event with other college teams. The statement blames a scheduling conflict. Georgia says it is appreciative of the invitation and looks forward to other opportunities to visit the White House. Some professional championship teams, including the 2021 Atlanta Braves, have made White House visits during the Biden administration. This year's NCAA men's and women's championship basketball teams from Connecticut and Louisiana State, respectively, are scheduled to visit the White House on May 26th. Dylan Lee is expected to make the start tonight for the Braves as they close out the two-game series with the Boston Red Sox at Truist Park. The Braves beat the Sox last night 9-3. Starting pitcher Charlie Morton got the win last night, throwing six innings with two earned runs on five hits. At the postgame press conference, Morton gave a lot of credit to his teammates, including catcher Sean Murphy. Coming to the park, went on a start day knowing I'm going to get to throw to a really good catcher, even when somebody gets hurt. Man, there's no better feeling. Murphy drove in four runs on a pair of singles and a double and is batting cleanup as DH tonight as Braves catcher Travis Darno is back in the lineup. Darno had been out after suffering a concussion about a month ago. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, though, because we've got more amazing content coming your way. I'll be speaking with Evie Wilson-Weatherby and Jessica Salagi, hosts of the podcast Prison Town, which is all about problems inside the Georgia Department of Corrections. I highly recommend checking that out. Also coming up on Georgia Today, GPB's Sophie Gratis will be reporting on rural trauma hospitals and how it's so difficult to get people in rural areas with critical injuries to adequate trauma centers. If you want to learn more about these stories, visit gpb.org news. And if you've got feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.